This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm your host, Sabrina Furminger, and I begin this episode with a couple of warnings. Warning one. This episode will contain spoilers, lots and lots of spoilers, about season two of The Order, which hit Netflix a couple of weeks back. Warning two, I have feelings about it, big, profound feelings that I will be expressing during this episode. To help me work my way through my big, profound feelings, are two of the individuals responsible for my trauma, The Order showrunner Dennis Heaton and fellow executive producer and writer Shelley Erickson. First, to people who haven't yet watched any of The Order, what the fuck? It's right there on Netflix. The epic, emotional, violent, sexy, and weirdly funny story of two competing secret societies on a university campus, the titular order dedicated to practicing and protecting magic, and the Knights of St. Christopher, who are werewolves. Last season ended with a cliffhanger that left a lot of people on social media really, really angry. The werewolves were robbed of their memories, and Jack the Werewolf and Alyssa the Practitioner of Magic were robbed of the chance to live happily ever after. Look, I had feelings about that too, but what fun is a happily ever after, especially at the end of a first season? Well, in season two, we have magical terrorists. We have James Marsters from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a couple of unexpected 90210 cameos. We have werewolves and keepers of the magic questioning their loyalties, each other, themselves. We have a smart show rejecting the tired barrier gaze trope. We have performers like Larissa Tronco and Sarah Gray and Catherine Isabel showing us who they are and going the distance. And, and we have an even more fucked up season finale than season one. So we're going to talk through all of that today. Dennis Heaton, <laughs> Shelly Erickson, creators of my trauma, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Just, just breathe, Sabrina. Wait. You're going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. Are we, though? Are oh, yeah. we, though? We you guys are just yeah. eating this all up, aren't you? <laughs> Those, Dennis was just laughing his ass off during that entire intro yeah. because... All his dreams came true. All of yeah. them. Yeah. All oh, your cool. dreams. Watching you have such a reaction, absolutely. Oh yeah. I, I mean, that, that so I got like, that was like that was a marching order from Netflix. <laughs> like, just to be clear, I don't like doing this to people um, much, um, <laughs> but Netflix was like, we got to have a season ender that you know that hopefully you know gives you know a similar reaction that people had to the end of season one yeah and uh, you know we were like okay <laughs> <laughs> you're both monsters both of you um i will a little bit more about me because now i have the opportunity to yell at you both i was going to binge it all in one go and then I started watching. I'm like, this is too good. And there are like 10 episodes. I got to eke this out. Then I watched. And then I was like, nope, got it. So it was like in start and stops. And I I like to think I'm pretty even keeled. Or I used to like to think that. But I was tweeting at Dennis. I want to like buy you a drink and throw this laptop at you. So I don't even know where to start. Like I have a page of scribblings from when I from when I was watching it. So I guess my first question would be, did you have any fears 
going into this season, especially considering how fucking amazing season one was. Like, tell me about the expectations and the worries and all of that that you brought into your writer's room. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think, I mean, there's always, there's always going to be the, um, you know, how are we going to do this again? Sort of feeling, you know, what, what, you know, can, can that we... feeling was in the room at the end of the first season. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like, truthful. Like yeah, how, like, like we've driven it into such a wall. How do we get up and recover and do it again? Okay. So you, you enter season two writer's room. What were some of the first conversations that you're having? Um, well, the first, I mean, the first conversation Shelly and I and sort of going, well, fuck, now what? <laughs> And then, you know, our next conversation is with Netflix and they sort of, you know, they give us a download on audience reaction from of season one from their perspective. Uh-huh. And and, you know, you know, I wouldn't call them marching orders, but they definitely give us a list of, you know, this is what the audience reacted well to. This is, you know, this was, a, you know, a not so much. This is, you know, what we're seeing on social media is what they're craving more of. Um, Can you, you know, share and, some of the list then? Can you be a bit, oh, little bit more specific? Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was like more magic, more werewolves. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, you know, more romance, you know, mm. more, more sort of, you know, I think for lack of a better term, palace intrigue. Uh, yeah. you know, kind of thing like, like, you know, the, 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 the stories, the stories that the audiences in season one really sort of connected to were when we were, you know, enmeshing our, our core cast into, into situations. So, you know, with, with that in mind, you know, as well as, you know, the corner we had painted ourselves into at the end of the season, uh, you know, we sat down with, with the, the writer's room and, you know, did the standard stare at the blank wall for a week going uh, and, and trying to figure out where we would go. Yeah. Now, I don't want to, like, spend too much time talking about the ending because, frankly, and I don't know if I've been clear, I am so grateful. This show hit at just the right time in the pandemic, in when I needed this content, and it was such a great ride, and I look forward to savoring it again. Um, however, that ending, uh, which I've watched a few times to re-traumatize myself, clearly that's the thing Isn't I'm into. It a beautiful image. It is. It is stunning. It is just <laughs> fucking stunning. Um, but. Did you have that ending in mind as you were piecing together the season? In in, in a, I, I'd say yes and no, and and you know I'd I say think mostly yes. Well, yes and no, like, like so inside yes into the, the writers' room. I think we, you know, it was like you know, it was one of the marching orders from Netflix was you know, and when the season's over, you know, punch in the gut again. It's like okay, um, and. You know, so that was one of our first, Shelly and I, one of our first conversations. And we landed on that, we landed on that idea really fast. Yeah. And it was like, well, let's just straight up do this and, you know, see what happens. And then I think like, you know, as you know, like you go through a season and, and you, you arc it out. And then I think at one point we were like, well, maybe it should be somebody else or maybe it should be this. But you know, we always went back to that end. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, yeah. I yeah. think the remarkable things that I think that you did this season was I actually felt, I ended up feeling empathy for the, the quote unquote, the big bad, you know, that whole, like the introduction of essentially a magical terrorist organization that, you know, wanted to free magic for the masses. Um, I, at first, I was like, I hate everybody who wants to hurt my werewolf friends. But then by the end, I was like, oh, I totally see what they're doing here. I'm curious about the inspirations for, for you know, that, that whole, the Praxis uh, movement, 
you know, like, do we see any real world or, you know, inspiration from other fictional properties in that storyline? Um, it really, uh, you know, it, it started, it started out from the idea of, you know, we knew we needed to have a big bat for the season. Um, and I, I don't think there was any sort of real life counterpart that we were like, oh, let's, let's take this group and give them magic. Yeah. Um, I think what part of it was that we just wanted to be really playful with the big bad as well. And that, that particular iteration gave us a chance to do it. Yeah. As you said, you didn't, you didn't love the, you know, you were like, oh, those are the bad guys and they're going to destroy the wolves. And then by the end you're like, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and, like I was thinking about really Julian like, Assange and WikiLeaks, you know, and that that yeah. kind of, you know, how people have very mixed feelings about that kind of journalism oh, and that yeah. kind of information sharing, you know, and it's kind of the yeah. same, kind of the I, same I, kind of thing. For me, it was more wanting to see more organizations in the world. Hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know you know, we had introduced the order in season one and the Knights of St. Christopher. So there's immediately two magical secret societies. Um, and then we also had, um, you know, Jewel State and her sort of unofficial little cadre of, of, you know, necromancers who are out, uh, you know, fucking shit up with, and we never really gave them a name or, you know, treated them as a, as an organization. They were more of a loose collective. Um, but, you know, certainly when we did season two, it was like we wanted to see more groups and, and give a bigger sense of, 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 you know, different factions. And so, you know, I, I think of anything, you know, it's like the order is such a hierarchy construct. It's, it's you know, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, it's very much, a, a you know, a monarchy yeah. kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and it was like, let's, let's create the, let's create the Marxist version of the order and, and have them be the organization they're aware with, you know, cause yeah. you know, colleges and people reading, you know, political science stuff. Yeah. That's where all that exciting stuff happens. Now for both of you. You know, because I think I'm pretty ride or die Knights of St. Christopher, although at the end of the season, even though she doesn't have any magic, I'm like, I think I would follow Vera, like, anywhere, I think. Like, I want to hand her her drink just like Hamish does. What about for you, too, though? Like, do you each have a an allegiance? Like, are you more the Order? Are you more St. Christopher? Are you Praxis? Tell me about your allegiances. We actually we surveyed the room, yeah. right? And yeah. I don't think there was a single person who was an order person. Yeah, we were. Everybody wanted to be werewolves. Everybody Although was will, a knight. I will say now that I'd love to be with like, uh, I'd love to be with the necromancers for a weekend. Yeah, yeah, you they'd know? be a that'd be a, they'd fun, be a time. fun party. Yeah. Or to or to go and drink the blue juice with the with the people who tried to indoctrinate Alyssa into their tree cult, yeah. Um, nobody, nobody likes the Prometheans. <laughs> that's that's actually not true. I remember my, I told Dennis uh, my uh, my kids in college and um, the, their entire house was like, "Where is that? We'd like to go there." Yeah. Oh, <laughs> And I don't, I don't know if they meant that they wanted to go to the grounds of UBC or that they just wanted to be part more, more part of a hive mind than they already are. All apologies, kid. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, one of the, the many things that was so exciting about season two was to really see these, your, your actors really push themselves, you know, and we got to see all of the the grays of their characters. I mean, top of the list for me is Larisa Tronco's, you know, Gabrielle Dupree. We got to see, she sings and she, you know, she got to be Randall and she got to, you know, and then by the end, like we got to see the wounded princess and now she's a fucking murderous werewolf, you know? So how much of that was inspired by getting to know Larisa as a performer, you know, and, and like, like, I'm just curious about what goes into, you know, 
to see what she can do was that because you got to know her you know as an actor or were you like oh she's talented let's just throw a whole bunch of shit at her and then we'll we'll see what she does with it because she's fucking brilliant um uh, uh, I mean, we, we cast low fairly early in the process in season one for, for Gabrielle, but Gabrielle wasn't really always going to be such a big character hmm. in, in the show. And then we started seeing dailies and, hmm. and like, I think, oh. um, I think if Gabrielle was played by somebody who wasn't low, Gabrielle would probably be dead already. Wow. <laughs> like She's, low, low yeah. She she walked in and she was doing she was doing stuff in the background of shots. Yeah. Where yeah. we'd be like, okay, so we were gonna cut to a close up here. We're gonna stay in this shot so that we can see what Gabrielle's doing in the background because that's fucking hilarious. And and it's it's very much a case of. Um, you know, a character, uh, you know, a character really blossoming because of the actor play. Yeah. And, and, and then yeah. our desire to just keep seeing her do more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, like, sorry, go ahead. But you pretty much like, it wasn't just, it wasn't just as you call her low. I mean, you, it was almost like every character really got to, to test their limits and every actor got to show us what they really, you know, there, there was nobody one note, not that they were last season, but it was almost like they were establishing their characters last season. And now we really got to see the, you know, the complexities. Like I'm thinking of Randall, you know, that's a character who I kind of looked at him as comic fodder, you know, for season one. And then season two, it's like, Oh, Adam DeMarco has depth. He has some, He's a well of emotions, that one. Oh, oh yeah. Well, they, I mean, they all are. And, and I think that's like with season two, like season one is so much about putting the pieces on the board yeah. before you can play. And then season two is like, okay, we all know the game, right? Let's yeah. go. And, and you, know, you know, one thing that's important to, to, to both Shelley and I is that when we're working with the characters in the show, we're not just using them as subordinates to a main story, hmm. but that they're each getting a very specific arc. Like, you know, we're, we're always sort of thinking, you know, what's Hamish's desire, you know, and how is that affecting this scene? Is he in alignment with what's going on or is he in opposition, yeah. for example? And, and having that kind of, you know, understanding of each character, I think, is why each one feels, you know, so, you know, I guess so dynamic. Dynamic and then has that dynamic tension as well yeah. with the other characters. Um, yeah, I keep I, looking to Shelly to see if she's going to say, nah, you're full of shit. So. Shelly, please feel no, free to say I that at say any that. time. <laughs> I never say that on the podcast, Dennis. No, no. <laughs> well, that's why you're texting. <laughs> Um, I was worried about uh, the the lesbian romance when it and I mentioned this in my intro because I was I there was a part of me that's like they're setting this up to kill one of them, you know, to do that barrier gaze thing. And then that moment in the finale when Randall, you know, throws the powder in her face and it's like, she's not going to die. I was so grateful. Was that something that you were talking about at all when you were in the writer's room? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. we're all super aware of it. And, yeah, and we, we um, don't want to do it. No. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, there's a very, pros- like, it's weird. It's like this very prosaic reason for why the story unfolded as it did, which is simply uh, uh, Devery, you know, was on two shows. Yeah. Yeah. She's and such a good actor. We had to, you know, we had to manage our time with her. Yeah. And uh, so we we wrote to that, decided, like, yes, it's sad, but let's embrace it. Let's do something worthwhile with it. Yeah. And knowing that we would uh, uh, bring, we would bring her back. Mm-hmm. We would drag her back from that other show. <laughs> we dragged her so back that- from hell. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the show right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about the plot, <laughs> talking about the plot point. Yeah. Um, plot. Yes. And possibly setting her up to be the, maybe well, the big bad of season two? That way. Or season three? The secret society from another dimension. Yeah. Who really doesn't like humans. <sighs> Listen, do we know about season three yet? Have you received your marching orders about season three? Oh, I think it's looking good, though. I mean, I hit the order. Pardon me? Definitely fingers crossed. I mean, you know, I was pleasantly, you know, we we were, you know, they've got that top 10 on Netflix now. And and, and we were, you know, doing the doing the the climb down. But I noticed that we we had a little, you know, spike back up. Uh, today, which I was very happy to see. So, yeah. you know, it's, I, I think people you are know, talking. We're talking. You know, people are still sending me the "you're a jerk" uh, tweet. Nice. So that's uh, yeah. good. Let's let's talk more. Watching. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, everybody needs to finish the season. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was watching and tweeting as well. And in my I love hitting that hashtag. And I think I sent you this tweet, Dennis, that was, I believe, in an Indonesian language of some time yes. where it was somebody who was excited oh, yeah? and deeply emotional. Like I hit the translate, but it was it was, you know, the beautiful lettering and then the order. I'm like, wow, all over the world. Um, one of the the joys of this season were the guest stars that you had. Um, You know, on one hand, you have some incredible, like our incredible local talent, you know, doing their thing, Maddie Finocchio, Diana Bang. um, Awesome. And then these unexpected guest stars. I mean, for me, one, as somebody who grew up loving, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So see James Marsters there was really exciting. Uh, and then you had Ian Ziering and Jason Priestley, um, who I know, Shelly, you know, you have you have a little bit of an in there, you know, being the, the creator of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Eaton has a little bit of an in there as well. I mean, it's really nice that we, uh, we all have... We had our separate histories with Jason and we're all still talking to one another. That's good. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. Nice yeah. Canadian boy, but... And it was a delight, honestly, like a delight to meet Ion as well. Those guys had such a good time. Yeah, yeah, um, that was a fun day. Uh, but we started talking about them very early in the process. Oh, you did. Now, at what point, though, did, like, did the idea for the characters who, like, they're playing versions of themselves to have that kind of rivalry, hateful rivalry between the two of them, and then for it to end the way it did with Ian having to live with Jason's face for the rest <laughs> of time? Uh, did that come from them, or was that something that that you presented, like, to... T- Tell me where that came from, please. We had we had dinner at Comic Con with Nomadic, and it was the Van Helsing crew and, and the Order crew, and Ian and Jason were also there, and they'd worked with Nomadic in the past. Jason wasn't there. Jason wasn't at dinner. No, no, Ian was at dinner. That's right. Yeah. I love this Ian live was. fact checking. That's good. Yeah. So no, Ian was at dinner. I I just always assume Jason's at a dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ian's at dinner, and and we're, you know, we're just talking. You know, we're we're just talking and, and joking. And at the end of the dinner, it was like, oh, it'd be funny if, uh, you know, Ian and Jason were, you know, in a secret society, and that's why nine hundred two one zero existed. And um, you know, when we started when we started writing started writing scripts um you know chad came to me and said the guys are up for anything so you guys can have fun with this like they're all for tearing into each other and i was like well that's good because that's what we're doing and <laughs> and so we just started writing these scenes where it's like it's obvious that jason and i and hate each other and but they're both in the same magic secret society so <laughs> When Ian pulled off his his hood and his mask, like I I did a spit take. 
I scared my cats. Like it was one of those moments where I'm like, I got to yell at Dennis on Twitter. Jesus. It's just so good. On a show like The Order, though, where you do have big emotions and you have the whole your world building and you're doing this big mythology and you also have humor like and horror. Do you have to constantly talk about the the mix of all of these things you know and be like okay this is that's too much humor for this episode we gotta rein it back or talk to me about that um i think it's fair to say that there's a degree of reining in the humor it can easily overtake us um we'll we'll keep a a you know we'll keep a gag going way past when it should have ended hmm. and pile a couple more gags on top. And so that's definitely a balanced question. We're always asking ourselves, what's the horror of this? Like that's been from day one, season one. Yeah. Because like the focus has to be like, how is this horrific? Um, that That's on it. Like I would say D that that's almost more the focus of how do we make sure that we're still ticking the horror boxes because the comedy is easy in the sense that we'll just, that's a go-to and it's simple and everybody in the room is contributing, but to keep our eyes on how do you keep the horror alive and how do you keep delivering on it um, requires a little bit more, uh, like if that, that's a bit of the North star, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if you gauge the room, you know, in terms of experience and interest, comedy is definitely the baseline. We've all got comedy experience, um, but not all of us have horror experience in the room. And so uh, it's definitely a thing of, um, you know, like what Shelley said, how do we, you know, what's this, hor- what's this horror movie about? Once we've got that, then we can, you know, lay in the jokes. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's often a thing of, the, you know, uh, you know, we talk about it being, the horror has to be horror, and the comedy has to be comedy. Yeah. Uh, we don't. We don't ever want. You know. We don't ever want the horror be to be undermined by a comedic moment. Um, you know, it can be followed by a comedic moment, but it can't be undermined by comedy because yeah. we want people to feel that that fear. We want them to have that. You know, if if something makes them uncomfortable, we want to we want them to to be uncomfortable like. I think, you know, my favorite, you know, one of my favorite messages came from my niece who was like, what's the deal with the ventriloquist dolls? And I'm like, ventriloquist dolls are scary. She's like, they are. <laughs> and it worked. You didn't tell me that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like 1 a.m. I'm getting like 1 a.m. in Vancouver and I'm getting these texts from my niece in like Toronto. I'm like, you're supposed to be in bed. It's like, I, I don't care. Yeah, I'm sitting up late, being scared by dummies. Yeah. By that I mean ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> what for each of you was was your your most beloved horror? I don't want to say gag because they don't seem gag. Although they do make me feel gag sometimes um, in the season. The the moment of horror of which you are personally most proud. Well, we've been, I mean, like the concept of the, the virus in seven and eight is something we've been talking about from season one. Mm. Like we, what, pet, pet, what the hell are they called? That, uh, that fungus? Oh, the, the cordyceps. The cordyceps. Yeah. I think I've wanted to do a cordyceps story for about 10 years. So it was, that was finally a flowering of that concept that something takes you over and uses you to, to, you know, get at more people. Uh, so I did, I was proud of that. I, I think for me, it was getting, getting more werewolf, like hmm. being able to actually, you know, be a little more suspenseful with, with the werewolf in some of the sequences. Uh, you know, we definitely got a, a you know, a healthy dose of, of shock uh, shots of the wolves, which, which I'm always happy with as well. Um, you know, but, but stuff that, 
um, you know, the, the, the swap over in the technology that we use between season one and season two for the werewolves, just it just allowed us to be a, have a lot more exploration in the in the show with yeah. them. And so getting, you know, the the image of, you know, the images of uh, Midnight stalking Alyssa in the den in the first episode and, um, you know, Midnight and Silverback fighting each other in the uh, in the collective unconscious. Which was, you know, originally going to be visually a little, you know, uh, a, a lot different. Yeah, we were going to have them in like suits of armor. I thought that because, like, to see like werewolves actually wearing armor while they fought, I was like, that'll be badass. But we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't pull it off, which was, which was too bad. But you know, still werewolf fight. I was like, this is fun. This is great. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, I think, I think definitely the. Um, you know, the sequence in episode 10 with Midnight that, that leads to the ending of the show is, I think, one of my favorite werewolf attacks in the whole series. Yeah, it's pretty so, great, Dennis. Just vicious. Pretty so. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bringing that up just to remind you about that ending or anything. <sighs> I want to fan her. It's just like, going to be all right. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Aunt Cam or something as an apology or some white wall tires. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am. I am really grateful. Um, I, I find that, I mean, it's been, it was really interesting to watch the order after existing in this world for the last three months. Um, what impact do you think living in this really fucked up COVID-19 world is going to have on you as you enter? Like, I'm assuming we're getting season three. I'm we are getting season three. We are. I'll send you a couple of emails for people you can contact and just tell them because you don't have to tell me. No, we're getting it. So when we get it, what what how do you think that living in this this era of a global pandemic, you know, is going to have on you or has already had on your storytelling muscle is writing a muscle storytelling muscles? Um, I kind of I mean, there's a lot of practical considerations, but uh, yeah, like, you know, how many makeout scenes are we going to have? Yeah, I. I kind of, I mean, I kind of don't want it to be part of this world. Hmm. No, I mean, I don't like think that, COVID has to have any bearing yeah. on Belgrave. Um, you know, it's, do you want to like, watch what you're suffering through? Yeah. Well, it's I mean, just you know, this season had a lot to do with fear. You know, so I'm not, I'm not even meaning that everybody's going to be walking around wearing PPEs. You know, but living in in this this current age where, you know, we're living in a lot of people's absolute worst nightmares. And we're also watching, you know, this like revolution for social justice occurring on TVs. Like, I'm curious about the kind of impact, if you can feel the wheels even turning about how it's going to impact the kind of stories that you're going to tell, what you're going to put me through. Well, hopefully (laughs) hell. Thank Um, you. You're welcome. You're always there for me, Dennis. Um, you know, I give until there's no more to give and then I find more. Um, I actually, I mean, I'm kind of optimistic about the end of the year. Hmm. And I think I'm optimistic about the end of the year because it's, you know, we're kind of getting to the point where it's like, not sure it can get much worse. Short of, you know, and Shelley hates it when I say this, a meteorite. <laughs> so, Does he say that a lot, Shelley? I just want to make it that I don't want to be under the meteorite. I don't want my kid to be under the meteorite. No, Other than yeah. that, I'm pretty good. I don't want anybody nice under the meteorite, right? but I'm, I'm half expecting one. Um, but, I mean, you know, we are, we are thankfully finally at the end of, you know, somebody's fourth year in office in another country. Mm, I have and, no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, that's pretty much all I want to say on that front, but mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm cautiously optimistic about, about the outcome there. Um, you know, I, you know, for me, it's like, I, I like the world. I like the world that the show is. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a respite 
And, uh, you know, so, so I kind of feel like, you know, I kind of feel like I, I want to get out of this, you know, as a, as a, you know, this slow motion real life apocalypse and get back to a more fast paced, fun one. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's what I want to. It's what I, it's what I want to. Um, okay. I, I'm curious about this. This working relationship here. I mean, Shelley alluded to the fact that uh, you have worked together a lot. That you go way back. Can you can you talk to me about this this creative relationship and um, maybe say something nice about about the other person, like what it is that they bring uh, into the room? You say, I you say nice <laughs> things to each other enough. No, I don't have to. I don't, I don't have to dance like a monkey for that. Oh come on, be a good sport, heat and damn. Um, <laughs> um, well, first of all, we haven't worked together a lot. We um, we've had a couple of work together moments. We've known each other for over twenty years. Oh, okay. And um, uh, it's you know like finally working together like yoked like a pair of oxen furrowing the fields of horror um, has been like, I think we've been trying to do it for a very long time. I was saying to Dennis today, I found an old hitch of ours that I've totally forgotten about. Oh. We cooked things up before. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just I will say this about First of all, nobody makes me laugh more. And secondly, the environment of like working with your best friend and knowing that you can't fail. And so it makes you a little more fearless. I'm fairly fearless with pitching anyhow because I've been doing it for too long, but you just like, I can say any stupid thing. And it's a safe, it's always a safe place with heat, which is weird. As I'm sick, as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, it's always a safe place with heat, really? But yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we've known each other, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. And it was one of those things where it was a mutual friend of ours who introduced us. Oh. Um, and, and basically Shelly was, was, you know, I still remember meeting her for the first time in, you know, this Toronto production office for a script meeting. And it was just one of those, yeah, we're going to get along yeah, kind of, kind of things. You know, I like, I like that one. Everybody else in this room could fuck off. Sorry, everybody else in that room, but, uh, you know. Um, and, and it was just, it was just a very easy friendship. I, I mean, like, you know, Shelly, like Shelly gave me my first, my first live action room gig. She, you know, oh. she, she hired me for a show. She was show running called show me yours and gave me my first, um, you know, I got my, my first sort of prime time half hour credit, uh, you know, because of that. So ever since then I've been trying to you know, get her back to get this yoke of obligation off of my shoulders. So <laughs> you both used yeah. yoke. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I <laughs> let her get like using yoke. But I mean, you know, in in terms of the, you know, uh, um, you know, it's you you uh, in, within your career, you're always looking for the writers that make you better. Yeah. And that's that's what Shelley does, right? Yeah. Like she just makes me so. It's it's a no brainer to want to have her around. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what kind of trauma you're gonna put me through uh, in season three and beyond. I almost want to see you live stream your watching of yeah. this season three because <laughs> I think that will be as entertaining for me as you watching season three will be for you. Yeah. 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 Or invite us over to watch you watch it. Yeah. That's so we'll set the chairs up. So yeah. it'll be the two of you yeah, looking yeah, at me. Of TV. TV. We'll have popcorn and we'll just yep. watch it. That sounds oh, great. Could, oh, 
Oh, Sabrina's very scared right now. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever feel guilty? Like when you're like, we're gonna, we're gonna take Vera's magic. We're gonna, we're gonna kill Alyssa. We're gonna rip Jack's heart out. We're gonna. Lo- what have you kind of guilt have you saddled Gabrielle with? Do you have guilt at all? Like what? Uh, how do you look at these? You, I'm not Catholic, and neither is Dennis. <laughs> no. I'm. I'm happy. I mean, it's it's a story. You know, it's a storyteller's job to line the audience up. Right. And when you're dealing with a series, you know, the last thing you want to do is give people a happy ending. I mean, you know, like the good wife. Yeah. Or meh. Oh, God, that's even worse. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, I always I always go back to the good wife. I mean, there was a show that was like just as happiness is in the grasp of the good wife. You know, we're going to kick her and she's going to be hurt. And now oh, now you've made Alicia Flora cry. You're a fucking monster. Yeah. So, you know, like that's that's her job is 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 to you withhold happiness. Yeah. We're, and it's we're not the... childhood trauma at all, mom and dad. It has no. nothing to do with that. <laughs> nothing. Nothing to do with that. Wow. So. Well, I am I remain grateful to you both. Um, send a letter to our parents. That's who you should really thank. Yeah, yeah. That would that would help that they finally know that this is actually a viable career. Yeah. So, well, I didn't know we were going to get back into that whole childhood trauma therapy stuff, Dennis, <laughs> but here we are. Why do you think Shelly and I work so well together? <laughs> <laughs> oh, your dad did that too? Huh? Yeah. Our conversations are 90% childhood trauma. Eight percent lunch and two percent plot. <laughs> that is the structure of a writing room day. Oh, and you know, for I in my mind, it is this because I've never been in one. You know, the, over the years, you know, you and Rachel and Simon have really and Sonia Bennett have kind of like painted a picture in my mind of of what it would be, and I feel like I would need armor. You know, I just wanna, I'd want to sit there watching you. Okay, do you have any message? I mean, I, I very much appreciate this time. I, I love the opportunity to yell at my favorite showrunners. But, you know, <laughs> do you have any message for fans of the order, uh, you know, who, who are, you know, grateful and very emotional about season two? Um, is there anything that they can do uh, if they want to see season three? Watch it again. Okay. We'll <laughs> do. Friends to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, I mean. I think it, watching it, is more important than tweeting. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think, I and, you know, I think if, you know, anything is like, thanks for watching the show, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I do, you know, it's, I do appreciate the, the, yeah. the, 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 the outreach. Uh, and you know, the, and the passion that people have for the show is great. Yeah. And we just, like, we've been seeing uh, more fan art this year, and it's just yeah. been blowing our minds, oh. and we're um, truly appreciative. Yeah. No, we, I mean, we love that. We love that, that the show has such a strong emotional reaction for, for people. Um, you know, and, and you know, we, we love making it, so... You know, it's 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 always it's always great to to know that we're we're striking striking a chord, striking a nerve, I guess. Yeah, striking my gut. I have to say, like watching uh, people like when we went to Comic Con last year, and unfortunately Jake wasn't with us, but we had a you know one of these things where people line up with their posters or their what have you to get signed by the cast. And watching everybody approaching the cast, and everybody had a different favorite. It was like there was not that single cast member where you were like, oh, shit, like, should we get somebody to come over and ask to have something signed because they're being left out? No, everybody gravitates towards different characters. There's, And that was one of the most, I don't know, satisfactory things for me was seeing that there was somebody, there was a character for everyone. Mm. There was a degree of related, like everybody could find that character that they really loved and related to, and would, and that that was um, just a great uh, IRL moment. Yeah. IRL, 
I love I love you using the lingo that I don't understand because my daughter uses words like that. But you have (laughs) given me a wonderful kind of closing question. You did say that everybody has a character. And personally, my character has changed over the two seasons to the point where I would say my character is Vera, somebody who I fucking hated in season one (laughs) and throughout season two. So to to you, Shelley... Who is your mm. character? Um, I think as as much as I love certain characters for certain things, um, I feel as if I have been this. Uh, this is going to invite a hellstorm on me, um, Alyssa, because from the beginning of the first, like when we first started talking about the show. I was. I want to see the lead romantic female who chooses her career over the guy. Oh, yes. And so I, I just have, and we. I'm not saying that I've ever been the high achieving person. I haven't, um, but I understand her, her desire for it. Hmm. So I suppose from a kind of relating to a character and wanting to see that character grow and develop, like and that's Alyssa's been uh, a big deal for me. I love that you described the character who you end up murdering in an incredibly violent way in the last few minutes of the season. So yeah. that's what oh, you yeah, do with your favorites, absolutely. eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hayton, what about you? Um, I want to guess. Does Shelley know? Do you know who Heaton's character is? I, I, I mean it. It's 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 not an easy. Picking a it, favorite. It's not an easy thing because I kind of feel like they're all me. Oh. You know, in some ways. Um, you know, I. You know, I. You know, I, I kind of feel like they're all, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, which is your favorite child? Yeah. Oh, I like them all. I have one. They, they <laughs> don't. But they... Well, you know, you're lucky you only have one child. I just so. have the one. I wouldn't be able to choose. Very smart that way. Yeah, yeah, that was good planning. Um, I thought you were going to say Hamish, personally. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, for the alcoholism, definitely. Absolutely, that was the reason. You yeah, know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, there's there's things about each character that 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 I, you know, I would I could sit and point to and be like, yeah, this is what I feel is, you know, very much my my ass, you know, my part of that character. Yeah, uh, can't wait to know. see where you take them and take all of us in season three. Which well, I'd say I'm going to make happen. I'd say straight yeah, to hell, but I'm not sure if we'll have the budget. Yeah, but there's a lot you can do in post and in the, the <laughs> makeup. You don't actually have to go to hell. You, we didn't, did we? We didn't go to hell. It's a Judeo-Christian construct. It is? Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> Dennis Heaton, Shelley Erickson. We didn't even talk about the Easter eggs. You'll have to come back. We'll talk about all of that. But we did, I did notice the Shelley Erickson book. And I think there was also a oh, Keaton no. sign as well. I wrote anything that <laughs> Where can our... Keaton's face getting stopped? Sorry, you, you cut out a little bit there. You're, it's like you're calling from the demon realm. Yes, I, asked, I asked if I am calling from the demon realm. I asked if you saw uh, Heaton's face getting stomped on. <gasps> no. Yeah, it's in there. Oh. I would lo- after the journey of season two. I would love to see that. Where do you get stomped on? I'm gonna write it down on my screaming notepad here. Episode four. Episode. Oh, that episode. Yeah. That episode. Yeah. That was the Before first that. time where I wanted to throw the. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, what a great season. All right, Shelly, Dennis, we could do this all day, but where can our listeners find you, follow you on the social media? Uh, 
Planet X pictures on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And Shelly. Bad Lady Biz on Instagram. I think it's Planet X pictures. Now I have to look. There will be yeah. links. Yeah. Bad Lady uh, Biz, B-I-Z. And um, I think I'm just uh, at Bad Lady on Twitter. Very. I got there first. I th- That is incredible. Honestly, if Vera were on Twitter, I could see her having Bad Lady as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for your for your work, for your time, for uh, the emotional journey that I went on. And uh, I can't wait to talk with you both again after season three. Honestly, while you're watching me watch season three. So thank you both. Thank you to our listeners. You can find more than 95 additional episodes of the YVR Screen Scene podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts, including one in which we go incredibly deep with Dennis Heaton himself. You can keep in touch on the social media at YVR Screen Scene and by email. Yes, that old-timey tech of email at Sabrina at YVRScreenScene.com. I appreciate you all very, very much. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, The fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver and Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the Fish Flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's Fish Flight Entertainment dot com.